1: Edit is done on the Cars of the Past Monster East Coast. It's out. Have you been to our original YouTube channel? It's there. You need to watch it right now because it's awesome. Man, thanks for your awesome work on that. The edit just turned out great. This is the
0: huge trip out to Radwood. So we started at our houses in Park City, Utah, and drove five days all the way out to Subaru Park, Mm -hmm. where Radwood, Philly, was being held in 2022. And we stopped along the way. We had a lot of fun. So there are also... <laughs> Understatement of the day. Well, there's also some extras, some outtakes at the end. Yes. But there's a cool Jaguar XJ220 review right in the middle mm-hmm. because that is the supercar, the representative car from yeah, the yeah. era of Radwood cars, 80s and 90s cars. And we wanted to drive a supercar from that era. So yeah. we got a lot accomplished in
1: this film. It's Please a, leave a review too. Give us a comment. We're curious to hear what you think. We want to hear for sure. And keep in mind, this is an hour-long piece. and I And I took the time to put chapter markers in there so you can actually track through the fun stuff. There are gags in almost every state we went through. There are place there are costumes, folks. <laughs> if you haven't seen the costumes yet, I'm telling you it's worth it just for the costumes. We had a bo- it yeah. never happened in the history of our show. We had a box in one of our trunks that was labeled the costume department. Yes, it was. So and there's yeah. gags. I mean, I, I so <laughs> want you guys to see this. It is it, there, there literally is something for everyone. For an hour. And, and it's still family friendly. You can sit down with the family and just enjoy. And we have two more big road trips like this coming up. But this one, this whole film turned out even bigger than we thought it was going to be when we left home. Yeah. It was long dis- longest distance so far. I yeah, think longest sure. of anything that we've got planned. Well, I mean, the,
0: the, But it was just a lot. Just like,
1: oh, yeah. The we West Coast too. piece, actually, technically, because we actually drove out and drove back, we put more miles on the cars, but we covered less of it on camera. Mm-hmm. This is yeah. twenty five hundred miles of us doing stuff the whole time <laughs> yeah it was a we were a rolling production department, huge thanks to Derek for actually helping us the entire way, thanks to Shane for helping us on the far end and Andrew helping us get cars back. There was so much work that went in, and I think i I may have caused chance to strain something because there was so much edit, so thanks <laughs> to chance as well. Well, we are back on TV for Season 11, Episode 3, Saturday, July
0: 16th, 2022. That's tomorrow. That's tomorrow, 7.30 <laughs> Eastern. This is also one of our favorite pieces. Thanks to the Griot's Garage boys, they rolled out some of their collection. We got to drive formula cars, three of them in particular. And we're calling this episode The Road to F1. It could be longer, and it's representative yeah, yeah. of how you work up through the ranks to mm-hmm. go to F1. I mean, you know, we didn't start as children in carts, but you know what Maybe I mean? not, yes. But thanks to them for pulling these cars out of their collection and letting us have track time all day. It was fantastic. It was an incredible experience, but I'm really pleased with how the video turned out too. So that is
1: airing first on TV, then that will syndicate to Amazon Prime and YouTube as well. Yes, it will. And it is, honestly, maybe one of our best sounding episodes ever. Well, you put an F1 car in anything. It's but, just sort of, that sounds the best. But, but the engine noise of all of them is interesting. And, yeah. And, and we really yeah. leaned in the engine noise on this like crazy. So it, it turned out really well. I'm excited about that. And again, that's tomorrow. It's been a big week for us. It has. Yeah. We couldn't do it without our TV sponsors. So thank you to Covercraft.
0: Use the code EVERYDAY22 when you're ordering right on the website. Mm-hmm. And same thing for Grio's Garage. Use eDriver. 15% off liquids, 10% off everything else. And they're the ones that pulled the the cars out of their collection. They support us for this track day, which is amazing. And also autotempest.com. Use autotempest.com slash every day so they know that we sent you. There's another car that we need to talk about just before... We start the podcast, we've got a mm-hmm. couple of great debates, but that is the 2022 Nissan Rogue Platinum all-wheel drive. It's back. This the came Rogue is into back. the rotation, the press <laughs> rotation, but it's along the lines of what we were just talking about before the podcast started, and that is about Nissan and mm-hmm. their resurgence of taking what they have and really dramatically improving it mm-hmm. to the point where it's not just yet another model. I drove this again. We'd We'd had this... Rogue before when it yep. first came out uh, 18 months ago. Yes. Something A like while that. ago, yeah. So this is the fully loaded Platinum all-wheel drive. It is $42,435. It's not inexpensive. It's not a cheap car. True. However, even though it seems down on power, it's only a 1.5 liter, 12-valve turbocharged engine with mm-hmm. 201 horsepower, 225 pound-feet of torque, this car moved. Mm. I enjoyed driving it because of the segment in which it competes.
1: I, I agree with that. Because there's yes. so many
0: mm-hmm. SUVs in this little category. Mm-hmm. I thought this is a real contender. If you're looking for something now, this is the fully loaded version. So it is, you know, trending sure, more sure, expensive. Trend, yeah. You don't have to go platinum all wheel drive, but the rear doors, as we've said before, they almost open perpendicular to the car. Mm hmm. And it moves in traffic. It it seems like okay. This is enjoyable to drive. You have the need, and you don't want to pay too much, and you yeah, need that yeah. size of SUV. It was very useful, and so it also has a miles per gallon rating: uh, thirty one combined mpg combined, twenty eight city, thirty four highway, which
1: is impressive and, and which is great. The big thing is, I kept thinking about it in relation to the last Rogue we drove, and the last you mean Rogue, prior generation, the prior generation, okay. yes, yeah. the prior generation was perfect rental car spec. I'm saying the last Rogue, the last Gen Rogue, was kind of a rental car quality Mm five-seat SUV. It wasn't ever really at the top of the pack. I wouldn't even really put it at the middle of the pack. It also was during that era when Nissan was kind of doing their worst CVTs.
0: Yeah, even though this still has a CVT. But it is significantly CBT. improved. It is. It's still a CVT.
1: I still don't like CVTs. I still prefer a real transmission. But this compared to the last CVT or the, the plague of really poor CVTs that Nissan had in their cars for a while, this is a significant improvement. Mm-hmm. I wish it had the 9-speed that is in some Agreed. of the rest of their But, well, but it's okay. CVT, yeah. I get it. You're getting great miles per gallon. I see the, see the purpose. But this is in that category competing with things like the Mazda CX-5. Which is a standout.
0: That's a standout.
1: I mean, that's it's high praise. A just a difficult to be car to compete in that, with in the mix, and I think it is competitive. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's the top of the class, but it is competitive in a in a market segment that competes with that car. Yeah, that's saying a lot. It's a big improvement in the Rogue. I still, I'm not a CVT fan, but I'm very impressed. We continue to be impressed mm-hmm. with what Nissan is doing with their whole lineup of refreshing the entire lineup on the chassis of the of the old lineup. Yeah, that's hard to do, and they're continuing to do it well. At some point, you're going to want to change things on your car, and instead of just thinking about go-fast parts, what about stop-fast parts? Brakes are an essential part of your vehicle's maintenance, but why not just upgrade? You can improve your vehicle into a stopping powerhouse with the Power Stop Brake Upgrade Kit. It includes carbon ceramic brake pads, drilled and slotted rotors, and all the stainless steel hardware you need to complete your upgrade. It's all the little fiddly parts that I always lose. They're included, too. PowerStop is on a mission to provide complete
0: and affordable brake upgrade kits for every vehicle on the road today, whether you're towing, whether you're doing off-roading, track days, including brand new vehicles like our Toyota GR86. Take care of your brakes by heading to PowerStop.com. You can enter your vehicle's information in their easy-to-use brake finder, and that matches you with the right brake upgrade kit for your vehicle. We have cool car debates. First from Stu. He is in Alberta, Canada looking for a driving and track car with four seats. Okay. As I said, he's up in Alberta. He's currently looking for his next fun car. He says he's grown up around bow ties and big blocks. Mm -hmm. Horsepower and drag racing are the main points of focus around where he lives, and he was convinced this is how he would get his thrills, too. His most recent car is a 1994 Mustang GT that he LS swapped and did full suspension retrofit on.
1: So hang on. Did anybody else hear the record scratch in the middle of that sentence? Because when I read it, I really did. What? (coughs) Stu? You have a a ninety four Mustang GT. Oh yeah, that you LS swap Chevy motor. Yeah, so you don't talk to the Mustang guys much, do you? They they don't like you much, do they? You're not their friend. I mean, I see why you did it. You are a bo- guy with bow tie history. You like that. You like the big blocks. I understand it. Of course, you can LS swap anything on the planet, but that is really that that is the equivalent of putting Pepsi in a Coke can. That's what that is. Yeah. Or I the other way that. around. Or the other I mean, way around. It's, it's, it's just it the, right. the Mustang guys do not like you, Stu. But it's interesting that you did that. And, and I love that you just, you put that in here like it's the most casual thing ever. I'm you're reading right. along and my brain like came to a halt and I went, wait, you did what? <laughs> you're you're absolutely right.
0: But there is that point of satisfaction doing things people say you cannot yes, do. Yes, There I is agree. that personal no. sense. And that just, not just of this, you. but anything in life. When uh-huh. people say
1: you can't do that and then you go ahead and do it anyway, that's what life's all about, right? You are the guy that could go to your local yeah. Cars and Coffee and park your Mustang. That's a 94 Mustang GT. Why is it at Cars and Coffee? We don't care. You pull up the hood. It's like, because what? You've got an LS tie engine. Yeah, and then uh, it's, it's almost fighting words in car form.
0: Which I love it, though. You're, it's you're right. Yeah. Well, then Stu added a supercharger because course, that wasn't enough. Of course. And he says this was by far the most powerful car he's owned. Approximately 700 horsepower. Wow. Weighing 2,934 pounds with all the liquids in it. That it's just is designed to squeeze mm-hmm. all the liquids out of
1: you. That is a but lot. That's with liquids. You realize that's 100 pounds, well, 150 pounds more roughly than our 86 is with 700 horsepower. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, Stu started building this car two years ago with his best friend. And at the time, he thought this was his dream build. But then his best friend ended up getting him hooked on a simulator and sim racing. It changed his opinions mid build. Interesting. But they decided to finish the car and didn't want to drop it halfway through. And then his best friend bought an 09 Subaru WRX during this build process and couldn't stop talking about how much fun this new car was in the city. Interesting. It Wasn't Stu's first time in a four-cylinder turbo car, but they never cared about handling before this car. And his friend was right. It was a blast. Interesting. And so they finished building the Mustang in March of this year, 2022. And very suddenly after finishing it, his best friend has unfortunately passed away. Oh,
1: man. Stu, we're
0: sorry for your loss. Yeah, we are big time. It has killed all interest in the Mustang for Stu. Oh, that's that's terrible. It's that, oh, awful. Okay, yeah. I know because of the memories and the mm-hmm. the effort you have, the money and the effort you have guys have in it. He says it's fast, but it's no fun to drive in city traffic. And it's a horrible reminder for him now. Man, oh, man. His best friend loved rally cars, worked at a Subaru dealership, and has owned his fair share. And part of Stu wants something like that. He's currently got that WRX, and he's been loving it, and he'll be keeping it, but it's mostly stock and not the best thing on an autocross course or track, but he says, I want to preserve it exactly how his best friend left it. Mm. Okay. All right. Now, the Mustang is also leaving the stable. Okay. One car that has really interested Stu is the new GR Corolla, as we all are very
1: curious (laughs) as of this recording. We still have not driven it. so Nobody has. The Mustang is going to (laughs) go. Rally cars are interesting. Hey, GR Corolla. Yeah see <laughs> exactly. I see how we get here. I see it. yeah. I, I love that Sim racing introduced you to town. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: Well, fortunately, Stu was on the list very early for one of these GR Corollas, and being a mechanic at the local Toyota dealer, he gets first dibs on the first car they get. Interesting. okay. All right. But after listening to us, he doesn't want to assume that this is the be-all end-all car. And he's looked at several options. He's owned different generations of the Audi A4, different Volvos, several Mustangs, another V8 swapped <laughs> FC RX-7. <laughs> okay, love it. A Toyota Aristo, two BMW E46 325 CIs. Other cars not worth mentioning. So here's what is currently in his garage. His wife's 1976 Morris Cooper, modified wow. for amateur hill, r- hill climb racing in Japan. That is not a common car we hear about. That's interesting. A 2011 Sienna an 03 Matrix XRS, and the aforementioned 09 Subaru WRX.
1: What an eclectic garage there. And I have to come back and say that I think that 2003 Matrix should go.
0: Yeah, what is that doing but in whatever.
1: There? It's
0: just probably paid off and just kind of sitting yeah, there, right? probably just sitting, though. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Well, Stu wants to focus on fun driving with regular autocrossing and three to four track days a year. He's got his wife and three kids, so at least four seats would be ideal. They've got that Sienna, so that's covered. And he's driven the new GR86 pretty extensively. He said it was fantastic. The new Supra is great, but out of his price range, and he doesn't want to own a BMW product long term.
1: You notice that Stu just casually makes the uh, the Supra comment here by saying, I like the Supra, but I don't want to own a BMW product long term. Yeah, he, like he the, sticks the, the knife. Back, it's like the back door into that joke. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, he's open to all suggestions, and he says he can afford a GR Corolla, assuming it comes in around forty five dollars to $50,000 Canadian. Used cars would be closer to a maximum budget of about 35000 Canadian. But above all, Stu wants to have fun with the car and love it. That's what his best friend would have told him to do. Mm. This is something he would have discussed at very huge length with him, and he's glad he can write to us. So, Stu, I'm glad we can take this on. Really appreciate you writing to us. And I'm glad you're considering that GR Corolla, but so is everybody.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I, I wonder at this point if there's too much hype for that car. I mean, the specs say it's going to be awesome. I have mm-hmm. ridden in it, and yep. it is great. Yeah, yeah. We just haven't driven it yet. Mm-hmm. But I wonder if it's just going to be such the holy grail, and mm-hmm. it's going to do things that don't meet people's expectations. You're going to think, well, it does the rear-wheel drive feel or the whatever kind of feel that I'm looking for, and I think it'll do it, and then you get it, and it's not quite what you were looking for. It's great. I'm speculating, but there's a lot of focus. I mean, it's like…
1: yeah. Let's too all, many expectations on yeah. this car right now. And I also think there may be the upcoming backlash of, I can't get one, so now I hate it. I'm worried about that, too. Oh, yeah. People's, people yeah. are going to see one, and I can't get one, and they're charging this much markup, so the car must... The, now I hate the car. I'm worried about That's that That's well. interesting. But right. It, but I do think, Stu, I, I do think getting a GR Corolla, you said you're first on the list at your dealer. Mm-hmm. I can't think of a safer buy. Sure. Because you're parking you your can, money. You can yeah. buy it. And and this is part of my whole discussion for you. I think you should get that Corolla when it comes in and plan to have it for six months. Now, that doesn't mean you don't keep it longer, but just, I'm going to buy it, I'm going to keep it for six months. Unless somebody comes along and offers you stupid money for it. But I think... I think even if it's not the right car for you, and I want to break this down further, even if it's not the right car for you, I think you can buy it and have a great time with for six months to figure out if it is, mm-hmm. and if it isn't, you're going to be able to sell that car for exactly what you got it for. The demand is so high that that car used is going to be so easy to get rid of.
0: Yeah, that that's true. No problem getting rid of it, but I like that you're open because... Mm-hmm. Again, you're writing with an expectation like the GR Corolla is going to be the thing. It's sort of like the next car that every WRX owner wants. Maybe it is. But there are also good cars to drive. And I, I just want to put this up front. You know this already, Stu. The best track and autocross cars are usually two-seaters.
1: So you yeah, bring yeah. an
0: expectation of this is going to be an amazing autocross and track car, but it still needs to do a family kind of duty or you know take passengers, which I automatically makes it not a track car.
1: <laughs> it uh, does work against... Okay, yes. less mm-hmm. of a track car,
0: yeah, yeah. right? So there's the Honda Civic Si, there's the Civic Type R, there's the Veloster N. I like all those. Mm-hmm. Front wheel drive, fun. But you've already got that recipe almost in that WRX. And yeah, I hope you yeah, drive... Yeah. I, I mean, you're going to keep it forever. I hope you just use that for all that fun stuff because it's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. So you kind of already have what you're writing about. You realize that you four doors autocross yeah, kind yeah, of track mm-hmm. car good for space. Still kind of yeah, powerful. Yeah. You've got it. Mm-hmm. It's the WRX sell that XRS by the way, <laughs> get rid of that thing, <laughs> please. So I thought a little bit more, I'm going over to German cars and looking at two series Mm-hmm. 228, M235i, 240s, M2s, etc.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, there he gets an actual BMW product. Uh, yes. But at the same time, you get four seats that you didn't have before if you talked about the Supra. Exactly. And you can I'm, get one used for less than a new Supra.
0: Exactly. I know you said you don't want BMW products, but the 335is Oh no, that's from good. the E90 generation Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. is the car. I couldn't stop thinking about it for you. That's interesting, yeah. It's cheaper than the amount of money you want to spend, mm-hmm. and that had the N54 engine with higher boost that bumped up to 320 brake horsepower, yeah. 332 pound-feet of torque, and an overboost function. Yeah, and they're cheaper now. They're going to have higher miles. Yeah, the E92. And then it's going yeah, to feed into great. your I don't that's want so to good. own a BMW because high miles and long term. But mm-hmm. all I could think of was E46 3 Series and E90 335is and all the modern 2 yeah, Series. Yeah, it's like the car for you. But if BMW is completely out, you know Porsche 911s have four seats, don't you? I have heard this. Mm-hmm. I looked around on the Porsche Club of America, Upper Canada region. Okay. The classifieds there had a 2005 997 Carrera. It's just a Carrera. Yeah, 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 sure. Turbo short shifter manual. The IMS bearing has already been done with a new clutch. Has 115,000 kilometers on it. Hmm. And they're asking fifty two five. So yeah, I'm spending okay. more. Okay, okay, but yeah. the car seems sorted. Yeah, it's a four seater. I mean how how much are you going to be taking the family? You have the WRX.
1: Yeah, how usable a four seater? Four
0: doors. To- He's got the Sienna. Seats. Yeah, You've got the Sienna. Yeah. So for the fun car, let's throw all of these out and just go two seater. Mm. You said you like the GR86. Why why not that? You've got the recipe already. So I I want you to not look at the WRX so much as the monument. Yeah. The that's pedestal my concern as well. Because you're not going to change it. It's just going to be there, but don't let it sit. Mm. Your best friend would have wanted you to drive it. Mm-hmm. Drive it so much because every time you do, you'll think about him. Yeah, you'll tell yeah, stories yeah. to your passengers. Hey, this belonged to my best friend. And the best way you can remember somebody is to talk about them. Don't yeah. stop agreed, talking about agreed, them. Yes. Don't stop driving his car. Yes. Constantly drive that thing. Mod it. You guys probably would have modded it anyway. He <laughs> would have. <laughs> Don't let that stop you. Mm. Use it and make it yours. You've already got it though. So yeah. the fun car, it can be none of these suggestions. We could I go agree. small, we yeah. could go Miatas, we could go 86s. Mm-hmm. What else actually interests you? You've got you've done already a bit of good driving homework. Yeah. I say yeah. keep that up. But I don't want you to put the WRX aside and think, "Well, I have to get another one just like that." Then yeah, if you get is, a Civic mm. SI, well
1: it's kind of two of the same thing. You, you've walked into what my big thought is here as well. And and Stu, look, first off, I want to I want to hit the headline here first, and that is, we're very sorry about the loss of your friend. Yeah, yeah. That sounds. It just sounds gutting. I mean, it ruined the Mustang project for you. This yeah. is this is tough stuff, man. Yeah. And it's recent, and I think it's amazing that you have his car. Dangerous stuff here, but I'm going to walk carefully. I want you to think about how your friend would have wanted your car progression to go. Because what I'm concerned about is that that WRX is going to steadily get driven less and less and less and less and less. Mm -hmm. But you're going to feel like you can never get rid of it. We've had this conversation before. People have willed cars to people in their family. And those people have written us and gone, what do I do? I don't think that your friend would want his WRX to hold you back. Very true. Now you have it now. It's fresh. I understand why it's important. I think that's really cool. But As to what Paul said, you have to drive it. You're almost obligated to drive it. And if you find yourself not driving it, I don't think, I don't know, but I don't think your friend would say, well, you have to keep it anyway. Agree. I was just thinking about that. What if you allowed yourself to sell it? I don't think right now. Not right now, but what if you even entertain the, the mustard seed of that thought? This is what I actually think is the plan for the Corolla. I think get the Corolla, which is... Let's be honest. It's the updated, duplicate idea of what the WRX is. Exactly. And that's why you keep it for six months. And now you have a real conversation with yourself. Think about what your friend would have thought. Mm -hmm. Do you keep the Corolla? Do you keep the WRX? Do you sell them both? Do you sell one or the other? I don't think the WRX, uh, I know this is a tender subject right now, but I don't think it needs to be a forever car for you because I don't think your friend would have wanted that. If it's going to hold you back from other experiences. Now, you may drive the Corolla. You may drive the W X. You may say, this is kind of the same thing. If I'm going to have the same thing, why not keep the one that has nostalgia and my friend's memory in it? Exactly. I totally get it. Yeah. Or you may say, the Corolla is better. I just want that. My my friend would have bought the Corolla. So keep the Corolla. I want to give you freedom here because I think your Mm -hmm. friend would have done that. Your friend would have given you permission. So let's yeah. ponder that. But I think this is the interesting thing about getting that Corolla is I think it's a perfectly safe buy and you can have both cars in your life for a time and then decide what do I really want to do? What's the right call? But I don't want that WRX to sit.
0: Stu, I want your car progression to increasingly be a discovery. Mm. You discovered corners and handling by virtue of sim racing. Isn't that cool? I love that part of this story. That's amazing. I'm looking back up at your car list. Got the, the Morris Cooper. You've had V8-swapped RX-7s. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You've tried already a lot of things. That indicates progression to me. Mm. Don't stop there. Mm-hmm, Don't just say, well, mm-hmm. we got to cut it off because of this event. Mm. Let it continue. Let it run free. Maybe at some point the WRX can go to some new owner. Mm-hmm. Maybe you Maybe. grow out of its capabilities. Maybe it's just not good for you anymore, For any reason It doesn't mean you stop liking it and don't have the photos
1: with you and your friend with it doesn't mean you don't have all those memories and stories you can tell. Yeah. This, you have a friend, who his progression in cars changed your trajectory. Mm-hmm. Whether you have his That's car what it represents. or not. Right. This is the reality. Is your friend changed your trajectory on cars? That's magical. That's amazing. I love that story. But it isn't. But I'm gonna. I'm gonna submit but this it, to it, you. Don't Steve. let it be an
0: anchor. Don't let it be a no. stopping and, point.
1: And I don't think it is necessarily tied to just that car. Right. His his influence in your life turned you from a I just want a drag race. It sounds like a supercharged uh, <laughs> LS is for me Chevy Mustang. To now we've got four door autocross cars. These are not the same animal. While we're here, I am going to say this. Talking about Pepsi versus Coke discussions earlier. Evo 10. Get a used Evo 10. If you can find one GSR that somebody hasn't just modified speed. into oblivion. I agree. Ugh. Get the GSR 5-speed so you avoid the quite fragile paddle shift transmission. Ask me how I know. So get one of those. Those are genuine four-seaters. Yeah, that they That would yeah. kill it on autocross yeah. or a back road or fun. I, and I'm going to submit this to you. I know it may be sacrilege, more fun than WRX.
0: It's up there. As I far mean, as just driving fun. Now, I it's don't up know. There. Yeah.
1: None of us have driven the Corolla. We don't know what that's like. But the Corolla is channeling both of these cars. It's channeling the STI and the Evo. It's the only new one we get. And mm-hmm. it is kind of a merging of all of those ideas. And we're curious to drive it as well. But if you're really talking about four-seat autocross cars, that's way up there. If you step away from this, you already talked about it, Paul. You can look at boxers and Caymans and have a totally different experience for your money. Yeah, yeah. And then you like LS motors. <clears throat> Uh-oh. Why not a fairly recent Camaro? Okay. Or okay. why not a Corvette C7? Yes.
0: What if you ended up in a C8 Corvette? After this progression, after sure. a number of oh, years, wow. too, yeah. what if you ended up there? It still channels the V8 obsession that you've yeah, it got. Does. Yeah, it does. It's a Chevy product. It's <laughs> a bow tie. <laughs> It is the bow tie, yes. <laughs> and it's a an incredible handling, mid-engine sports car. What if that were the eventual goal? What if you skipped all the cars in between? What I'm just <laughs> if asking. That's the goal, let's just go there. <laughs> let's hang on to the WRX. You continue to work, save your money, and then the WRX at that point can go away. The Toyota Matrix has left your life long ago, and you get a C8 Corvette. That, to me, for you, Stu, is the best of all worlds. Mm-hmm. Bowtie, mid-engine, sports car,
1: unique, it handles well. I love where we end up. Sometimes we end up places that the email did not suggest. And we just end up there anyway, and it's great.
0: If you've got an email like Stu's, write to us, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com. If you think like us, you're always looking for your next track event, right? No matter what your skill level, MotorsportReg.com makes it ridiculously easy for you to find and register for track events all across the country. With over 7,000
1: events annually, it's the most complete events listing nationwide. And if you're organizing your own event, Motorsport Reg will help you fill every event with tools that automate tasks, improve accuracy, and grow participation. Plus, there's full-time support available as well. Learn more
0: and find events today at msreg.com slash everydaydriver.
1: Kyle is writing in from San Diego. He's in the Navy, and he actually stops the beginning of his email to say that he read my book, Paper Father, and he loved it. Uh, Man, Kyle, that's always really cool. I am always really humbled and flattered when somebody took the time to read it. I'm glad that you liked it. I am going to say it. I hope you reviewed it on Amazon, because that helps. It really (laughs) does. And while you're rating things and reviewing things, if you rated this podcast, because that's how people find it. So thank you so much for just taking the time to say that, for taking the time to read it. And that's not why you're writing. You're (laughs) writing because you're shifting from two cars to one. This is interesting. As Todd said, he's in the
0: Navy. Kyle, over just a little bit over a year ago, purchased a 2021 Hyundai Elantra N-Line. He also owns a year 2000 Porsche 911 C2 Cabriolet, and he's got a motorcycle. He hogs up space in the garage. He lives with a roommate, but he hogs all the space. <laughs> I will co-
1: currently taking all of the garage space. You're outside.
0: But what he's doing is searching for a single car sh- solution to mm. fill this space. The Elantra is his daily. He likes for its practicality, good on gas, runs, seating for five, spacious trunk, yeah. Six-speed manual and moderate power is enjoyable, he says, but the economy car roots bleed through mm. with dull mm. throttle response, non-sporty seating position, and an overall lack of personality. Okay, all right. But then there's the 911. That's what that solves, right? Yeah, it does. It's much more rewarding to drive, but for the majority of its life, it is sat in the garage not being driven. Mm. I can't believe I just read that sentence. That's,
1: that's a bad sentence. He bought it
0: for what he thought was a bargain at the time, but then a new clutch, a new DME, and a growing list of to-dos sometimes seems overwhelming.
1: Probably. You, you could speak to Porsche maintenance
0: all yeah. of a sudden, Paul. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Moving on. Kyle's a fairly decent shade tree mechanic, but it's annoying to work on it sometimes and then not drive it. Yeah. yeah Tell I'm me sure. About it. Yeah. So Kyle wants a single car solution that compromises between the two. Consolidating the two cars would allow him to go up in budget. He's not averse to maintenance, as we've talked about, but would like to sway towards something that is more problem-free. Okay. It needs to be practical enough to fulfill his hobbies like snowboarding and backpacking and rock climbing, which means no Miatas. Okay. Non-tangibles like engine character, exterior styling, and exhaust note are heavily considered. Interesting. All right. Ideally, it would get decent gas mileage for California gas prices, so big thirsty American V8s are kind of pushing it. Probably. But four seats, two doors is preferable. Likes to drive manual cars, but the right car with an automatic is fine, too. His budget is $30 to $35,000 and he might be able to push to 40 grand for the perfect car, which means his budget is 40 grand.
1: That's how that math works. Folks, if you have not followed along at this point, the <laughs> highest number in your email is the place where Paul will go. Just, just so you know. Just just simplify. I've been good
0: before. I've just, suggested. You, you, I've cut budgets you've, you've gone
1: under budgets before. I but just have. so you know, when you give a high number, that's the actual cap.
0: Well, so far Kyle's drive homework has included test drives of a 2.0 Supra, which he thought was a fantastic but out of his price range. Okay. Low on ground clearance and practicality. These are true. 2018 Mustang EcoBoost with a six-speed and the performance pack, which he liked a lot, despite his concerns for settling from a
1: V8. Had good power, good space, decent gas mileage, and actually sounds all right with the active exhaust. I can see that. But that car, honestly, the EcoBoost is the sacrilege car in the Mustang lineup. And at the same time, it's better than you think it is. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, He's also driven a 2019 WRX. He does not like the interior.
1: <laughs> so that car is out. The so power was good. Practicality was great, but he just didn't feel like it was special. All- all-wheel drive would be cool for ski trips, but no. He's driven a 2017 BMW M240i automatic.
0: He likes this a lot. Great power. The chassis felt extremely composed and very controllable. Mm-hmm. Like the super, the automatic transmission is surprisingly good. And the one he test drove was a soft top, so he's anxious to drive a manual coupe. They're just hard to find. They are. He's also got a, cars on his list. Which include an inline four or V6 Camaro, the new 2022 BMW 230i, maybe a Honda Civic Type R or the new GR Corolla when it comes out. <laughs> there it is again. There's expectations that that is going to be the perfect car and will solve everything. For everybody. And
1: we're going to see them used for higher prices than new, but they will be available. There's, there's going to be backlash on that car at some point, I'm certain. But everyone, everyone is looking at that car like the holy grail car. It's a three-cylinder, everyone. It can't It can't possibly solve this many of the world's problems. I, I don't think so.
0: <laughs> There's a lot of folks who just say, I'm not going to drive anything that isn't a V8. Mm-hmm. But then you look at power, and this thing's actually quicker. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, you're down on five cylinders there. How's your three-cylinder little whatever? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, he says the GR80 is... GR-86 is interesting, except for its unusable back seats and a power figure that he's still skeptical of.
1: But, but seriously, the GR-86... skeptical no longer. Yeah. I, coming from me... That's true. That's, that's big words It's not there. necessarily yeah.
0: just V8 power, but it's just not. power. He's also interested in a weird turn here at the new Ford Bronco <laughs> with the stick.
1: One of these things is not like any of the others. What does that have to do with... I I will say that the new Ford Bronco, the 7-speed, is one of the better-feeling manual transmissions being sold right now. Of all the transmissions I thought I was going to say that about, I didn't think the stick shift smaller engine Bronco would be on the list, but it is a great feeling of transmission. But uh, Kyle, it's not like anything else you've talked about. <laughs> it really isn't. Not at all. And I know that
0: you're thinking lifestyle and that just screams. Yeah, yeah, yeah it does. I go snowboarding, backpacking and hiking and I do all the fun yeah.
1: stuff, cool stuff that you don't. Have I told you that I do these things? I, Here's my Bronco. I, I do yeah. like
0: that. And it's got room for stickers all over the back for it places does. you've been. And Put an everyday rent. driver sticker on there while you're at yes, it. Yes, please do. to be
1: covered in stickers.
0: But I wonder if you'll get tired of it because mm. there's a lot of freeways around where you live and yeah. there's a lot of freeways to cover to get to the activities that you do. And when you do aforementioned activities, it's not like you're traveling five miles up a fire road or
1: rock crawling True. eight miles True. into base camp. Yeah, most of the time that's not the you case. No,
0: we're not driving to Everest base camp 16,000 feet, whatever, however <laughs> 18, high it is. Yeah, 18, yeah, yeah. So I like the two series. All okay. these two series are great options for you because they've got space. They're real cars. They're fast and fun to drive. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter that Okay, you're parking in parking lots and then hiking up at, you know, you're parking at the Mm trailhead. I thought about other sedans. Yeah, I I want you to investigate all those BMWs and see what you like there. Mm -hmm. They're great. But there's one car that is like a splinter in my brain. Okay. I thought of sedans, the Julia and the G70 Genesis and the, you know, the usual suspects. But how about a Mazda CX-30 Turbo?
1: Oh, that's interesting. I didn't expect you to go there.
0: You can do light fire road off road crawling. Yes, you could. It's got a turbo.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's got decent space, but it's still small enough yeah, that it's yeah. kind of chuckable. Yeah, and it's good to look at. It's it's as if Mazda wanted the Subaru Crosstrek in their lineup, and they did it their way. That's exactly it. what it competes with. Yeah, what it is, because yeah. you have everything. Your email is here is screaming Crosstrek. I'm not going to recommend a Crosstrek. Yeah, there's not enough unless it's V8 swapped or something. There's not enough fun there.
1: It it is unbelievably capable and it works great, which is why they sell so well and they are so good. But they are not fun to drive. But then there is one that is okay, and it's the CX-30 Turbo. I see that. I see that.
0: And that's your car. Mm. Great gas mileage. You're going to really appreciate that. Easy to park. It's got a turbo. You can get through traffic easily. It's got again plenty of space for your needs. And it's just the ever. So the hint of cross country, all roady sure, kind yeah. of, yeah, yeah. you know, the fender flares, it's just right mm. in between. And it could be the sweet spot. I do like the two series for you. Sure. But this is just, and it's inexpensive enough that we're right on
1: budget. Look at you. We're dead on budget. You've done very, very well today. Dead on the money. That's excellent. Kyle, I'm going to agree with Paul in that you need to drive all those BMWs, but I'm going to say to you that the the M242 Series is a great car option. Yeah. I think there's no reason to go with the new one, get the prior gen, unless there's something about the new one that you're just like, I have to have that. But the, the prior gen. just love the styling so much. Something. Have to... the, the prior gen is so great. And our friends at RSR have a, a fleet of these that they track constantly, and they keep coming back for more. So that is interesting. That I mean, they, they do a lot of maintenance they, on them. They maintain them like crazy. Thrash them. But there is nothing nice that's been done to any M two forty that's ever been owned by our friends at RSR. They're they're only treated as terribly as possible at the top of everything you could possibly do with them. They're trashed, <laughs> and yet they are reliable. For them, they, they would not be in the fleet if they weren't. So I, I feel strongly about the M two forty prior gen. You would really like that. I think you'd like that for sure. We nobody's driven the new Type R yet. Based on the Civic Si, it's probably going to be pretty good. Nobody's driven the GR Corolla at this point or the yes. new Type R. And this is the problem with the GR Corolla. You're right. Nobody's driven that either. That will probably be pretty good. I agree with those as an option. But actually, my favorite for you, Kyle, I'm thinking about, you have this four-door commuter usable sedan that you think feels a bit too common and cheap, ultimately. And you have this great handling sports car you never use. <laughs> I have merged them. With an Alpha Julia. You think Julia? I think Julia. Yeah. Get, get the four yeah. cylinder Julia. It's surprisingly fast. It sounds okay. It's surprisingly fast. It is definitely fun on the back road. Absolutely. Take your Julia to your rock climbing crag in Southern California and tell me you didn't have a fantastic drive. Take your car to the crag. Seriously, go hooning up. Some great Southern California back road in the Julia, and shock yourself with how much fun it is. It is not the powerhouse of the big quadrifolio. You, you've walked away from big V8s. But I've always felt like that is a car where the power numbers that are like 250 horsepower, it's your standard 2-liter, two 250 horsepower from a turbocharged 2-liter. Everybody makes that engine, okay? Mm-hmm. But that car always feels more powerful than that. But it maintains its speed so well and handles so wonderfully that I don't think you're going to be in most situations going, this needs more power. Certainly not on a back road. Be sure you get one with the sport, the paddles, and the, and the limited slip differential. But that gas mileage is also right around thirty. Yeah, like yeah, either side of thirty miles per gallon. It's bigger than both the cars you currently own, and I yet and I submit to you may drive better than both. So I'm. I think I. You're saying Alfa Romeo. You're terrified of the maintenance. In general, we haven't heard many people that have had those cars that have had problems with them. We know there have been problems with those yeah, cars. Yeah, But in general, we have not heard people that have had big issues with those cars. Plus, you live in Southern California, you can get it serviced. I think it's a four cylinder Julia with the proper spec, and you'd be thrilled. See, I see what you're doing.
0: You're suggesting Alpha, so you're steering them right to BMW because BMW sounds like the most reliable car on the planet. Well, if, I, once you
1: suggest Alpha, I suppose. It's all
0: not true, though. Uh, yeah. None of it is true, not from our experience. Yeah, it's I mean, all
1: reputation. On to audience questions. We just talked about the Julia, and that kind of backs us right into this question, writing in from Matt. Matt wrote in and said, he's got a question about factory service. He recently drove an Alfa Romeo Julia TI Sport and fell in love with it. Kyle, did you hear this, by the way? I'm, I'm, I'm making sure you're aware. Anyway, so Matt drove this car, loved it. He said there are little quirks, but the driving dynamics blew him away. After three test drives, he can't wait to buy one. With around 30,000 miles, but uh, he realizes the closest service dealer is three plus hours away should he not buy it because of how far the dealer is.
0: Well, I've got a story for you, Matt, and that comes from one of the people that went with us on our pilgrimage trip, Scott. Mm -hmm. He lives in Canada, and he is very far from his dealership, but he drives so much for his job. He just schedules service Mm. on some of his business trips or, yeah, three plus hours. That's a bit of a haul, Mm -hmm. but what What else can you get done? Is it a business trip? you see a friend you you know have a little vacation? What else can you do on this trip that makes it worthwhile because ultimately it comes down to your your ability for discomfort yeah, yeah yeah. How sharp is the tack is it you know Is it very sharp and you can't deal with anything but fifteen minutes away, or are you more willing because you love the car so much that you're willing to keep you could do this as an experiment, Matt mm. about a year. about one year Mm -hmm. see how things go it shouldn't have that much service especially if you buy it secondhand if it's you know certified Mm pre-owned or you buy it knowing hey here's the service records everything's ready to go you should at least be able to go a year with most manufacturers just require one year interval oil changes now yeah 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 so if you go two times this year Mm -hmm. that's not a bad thing and maybe you can just keep checking things yourself, you're learning how to check brake pad thickness, and you're checking your fluids regularly, and you're just keeping on top of things, keeping an eye on everything, well, but it I, might just be fine.
1: I also have to ask this question of you, Matt, and that is, what do you expect to get done and does it have to be at the dealer? I mean, you're saying you're thinking about buying a 30,000-mile car. That means you want to get warranty work done. I get it. <laughs> But if something big breaks and you need warranty work, yes, it's a bummer because you want it to go to the actual alpha dealer and that's three hours away, I understand it. But if we're talking oil changes, are you telling me there's nowhere near you, you can take it, that the alpha dealer will be like, yeah, that's fine. That works. That's fine. You can't go to the Chrysler dealer. I'm I'm just thinking out loud. You can't go to the Chrysler dealer or, or there's nobody in town that can be justified as doing essentially your oil change work for you. We sell bird baths, furniture, cleats, and we work on alphas. Yes, we do. But 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 I also think about this. If if look, let's say let's I'm just going another way. You've got a 30,000-mile car. Let's say oil changes are included. They're probably not, but let's just say they are. Would you drive 3 hours or would you go down the block and pay for it yourself? What's right. what's your right. time worth? I can't answer that, but I have to think that you don't need this dealer very often for most things. But you're going to have to... You already talked about it, Paul. What's your what's your pain tolerance here? Mm-hmm. Over here on Facebook, Brian P. asks
0: us, our thoughts on the new EU law mandating anti-speeding systems in new cars by July 2024. Of course, once we reach July 2024, we'll be able to to speak more about it. But I predict that it'll make all these cars that don't have that implemented in them more valuable and more in demand. <laughs> <It's> just <laughs> That's just simple supply and demand right there, I think it's tough to say it's n- never fun to to see that mm-hmm. i think it's not something yeah, that appeals yeah. to me but personally but you know i think because we're far away from it right now as you said before laws will change over time mm-hmm. politicians will come and go laws will change things will change maybe but we'll just we'll just have to see it's it's hard to predict i mean on its face value, it doesn't look good. It Doesn't sound very good. Yeah, yeah. It takes
1: the uh, the trust away from drivers. I think. I agree. I agree. But, well, but the, but it isn't. Unfortunately, it's in that trend that we're seeing. It aligns with things like, well, I should get a, a really really great quote unquote. You can't see the quotes. Self driving system. It, mm-hmm. it aligns with all this stuff where we're trusting a driver less and less. And on one level, you could go, okay, there are a lot of bad drivers out there. But I I submit the flip side to you, and that is. If we required more of drivers, they might be better. Mm-hmm. On Facebook, I have to read this statement, not question, from Ed Hayes, who has watched our Cars of the Past East Coast episode. And he said, As an English person, I must say that Carhenge is better than the original Stonehenge. <laughs> so, Ed, I'm really glad you watched. Thanks for watching. I hope you enjoyed that absurdity <laughs> section at Carhenge.
0: Fantastic. Colnago1331 is pretty much talking to me, asking, <laughs> what's the point? <laughs> you couldn't do it, could you?
1: I, I was hoping you'd <laughs> see this question, and it just killed me. And uh, I love that
0: you found it, because it's it's pretty much just, just, hey, Paul. Yeah, it's nobody else. It's just me. What's the point at which you should stop spending money to keep an old car going? <laughs> and how far past that point do you have to be in order to justify spending all all the money on keeping the
1: old car going. Because there is, he's right. There is that flip side where you've spent so much now that the car has become valuable to you at a level that it's just like, well, I have to do it now. Well, that's that's me too. And mm, it's also me
0: with the 928. And oh, I no. still have more to go. It needs new shocks. <laughs> and the air conditioning system needs to be retrofitted. <laughs> and we R12 a- is like contraband. But I've been told to keep with the R12 because the changeover is so intense and the R12 just works better. Plus, it's almost 40 years old, so it's going to get classic car status soon anyway, so whatever, right? <laughs> it's sentimental value. But fortunately, the only saving grace that I, can, that I can say and answer this question, my only rebuttal, and it is slight at best, is that all that money has resulted in a car that does run. That is true. It does run. The engine is pretty dang awesome. Yes, the engine is very good. It starts and runs, and it's great, and it's got power. It's just all the other systems that haven't been touched that I'm now facing. But I expect that, too. If I do it right, Mm -hmm. then I've got a mechanic special, and I expect it to just keep running. Mm. And most importantly, with this old car thing, don't stop driving it. That's so key. I love that. Cars need to be driven. They like to be driven. They want to be driven. I actually got
1: to drive it on our East Coast. I know that was a big moment. We have a whole car swap section. You have to go see that too because we talk about each other's cars. I just fired it up two days ago. Yeah, needed some more shots for Mm -hmm. it, and it
0: fired right up. It runs great. Idles immediately. It's great. Yeah, stuff wears out, but just think of any car nowadays, modern cars. 40 years from now, they're going to be old cars. Which are Mm. the ones that are worth saving? Because if I don't save this, I feel like I'm doing the automotive world a favor. I'm doing me a favor by saving this. Otherwise, it's going to be yet another 928 in a junkyard. Yeah, that's good. And every time we see the favorite car that we've always loved, I always like those old things, and you see it in a junkyard, what does that do to your heart? Yeah. If only somebody had spent the money to keep that running. Well, that somebody turns out is me. It sucks. (laughs) Hello. But at least I didn't send it to the junkyard. At least I'm not Mm. doing what everybody did to that poor Maserati Quattroporte. Awesome car. (laughs) I just want to drive it, pass it on. Here's a dirty diaper full of everything that it needs. No maintenance involved. And then it just piles up over the years. That's what happened with this Mm. car. But now I've done it. Guess what? I would drive this all the time. It runs.
1: We're about to drive a lot more. We are.
0: We're continuing to drive it. Mm -hmm. It runs. It's great. That's the reward for all the money I've dumped into it. I guess it's only. It's a tiny saving grace, but
1: I'm going (laughs) to lean on it. Ted Theologan on Twitter, party on Ted. He says, how tricky was it for us to get our cars in front of the steps, the famous Rocky steps in Philadelphia? You need to watch the East Coast piece to see that we did that because we're in Philadelphia. you got to go there. What I didn't realize when we were headed there is that apparently anyone from the surrounding area wants to do this. It's, <laughs> it's, it's an even bigger thing than I thought it was. And it's also a local thing. This is the reason I, this thing I didn't realize because while we were there – I cannot explain to you the pandemonium that was going on at these steps. There were multiple people doing either wedding photos, prom photos, engagement photos while we were there. A huge wedding party pulled up in those excursion in the, in, limos. In, in limos. two yeah. of those excursion Escalade limo thingies. Like three photographers and, they, and a drone and, pilot. And they parked right in front of everything. I mean, there was, a, there was an ice cream truck parked where it wasn't supposed to be parked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they had practically put down an anchor and no one was stopping them. So that had killed a lane. So that meant cars were cycling in and out of that same lane where they were parked, which was not fun for traffic, but it allowed us to get close, which was cool. But while we were there, we realized we were far from the problem. When you've got these big these <laughs> big say. stretch SUVs pulling in and a wedding party of 25 drops out, like Paul said, with photographers and lights and drone and this guy. and that was just one yeah. group. The line to see the Rocky statue was like a half hour to stand in front of it and take a photo, where they were selling T-shirts and that kind of stuff. And then you had a bunch of people who were clearly just locals who just run the steps as part of their workout, and they were constant. And by the way, the steps are not as hard to run as you think. We we, we kind of made fun with it, but but they're not as hard to run. They're set up like if you can run those steps, you're in amazing shape. <laughs> And they're, they're stairs certainly, but it's not like you know welcome to welcome to a pyramid or something. But it was crazy to be there. You have to watch that piece. It was amazing that we got to get that close, and uh, we're thrilled to have done it. A question here on Instagram from the real Bro Chacho asking if the Ferrari California is a
0: real Ferrari.
1: What makes a Ferrari a real Ferrari? Is the persang a real Ferrari? Forget oh. the California, the upcoming SUV. Yeah. I would say the Persang is less of a Ferrari than the California
0: because Ferrari does have the nomenclature California in its long history. Mm-hmm. The California is a special car. I mean, just watch Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant car. And there is a story out there that we have heard when we drove the Ferrari California years ago now mm-hmm. yeah, that yeah. it was originally designed for to be slated, badged as another car, and then Ferrari took it back. But even still, it's a car that is part of their history. Mm-hmm. They've used that name before it appeals to ferrari buyers and it's the entry level ferraris you've always said it's the welcome to ferrari ferrari it is it is hate to say it but that does get people in the into the brand even though if you are half alive you've heard of ferrari yes
1: And so, no, but it puts you, the reason it's into the brand, to your point here, though, it's the car you have to buy to get you on Ferrari corporates' radar that you buy new Ferraris.
0: Right, because everybody has heard of Ferrari. Mm -hmm. Ferrari just hasn't heard of you. Exactly. This is the problem. (laughs) This is why they offer this car. (laughs) Who's Who's going to buy it? I wish you were wrong. They're out there with a fishing line with a Ferrari California on the Mm -hmm. end, and that's turned into other models, which is great. Is it a real Ferrari? I think so, because that engine note. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The engine note alone, is it's glorious. It's great. It's got great acceleration. And most of all, what makes it a Ferrari is whatever non-car enthusiast on the planet does when they see it. Mm. It just can't stop looking at you. You are the local car crash driving around. They just can't look away. Like, what is that <laughs> thing? And then you do the top and all that stuff. They've come down in price, then they've gone back up. I never thought they were that special, personally. I think there's a They're lot not. better driver's cars. Yeah. But there is this aura about the badge, just being in a car with that badge on it. Yeah, you're it's right. It's shocking. Mm-hmm. So I guess the Persang will hopefully have that thing, that
1: aura, that... People are going to buy mysterious. the Persang as fast as they can make them. And it it shouldn't exist, but it's going to do for Ferrari what the Cayenne did for Porsche. I, it will. So what will people say? You know, when you drive
0: a red sports car, everybody says, is that a Ferrari? Mm-hmm. No, it's a Toyota MR2. What are you talking Yeah, you're right. You are You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, like, you yeah. your Lotus Elise. Is that a Ferrari? No.
1: <laughs> do you
0: see what it says on the back? <laughs> so what are people going to do with a Persang when they see this red SUV? What is are they that an ask? Audi? I don't know. <laughs> exactly. yeah,
1: it's going to be very funny to see how that unfolds. While we're here, it, Ferrari is alone in one major thing. Is there any other brand of car that so badly wants people to not buy their cars? You're right. I don't think so. They keep making, they do this right now. now, I will say this. The entry-level Ferrari right now is one of my favorites in a long time. The Roma.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's I think
1: it's It's spectacular. I would love to own a Roma in spite of the fact that it is a touchscreen disaster inside. I would love to own one. It is the Ferrari. I'm like, yeah, that would be cool. But it is also the Ferrari. It is currently the Ferrari in the place of the California where it's like, well, we at Ferrari have never heard of you. So, if you'd like to buy one of our really expensive, very special edition Ferraris, you better buy a few of these, like chiclets, before you can buy a real one. Yeah. And it's the Roma in that place right now—the bottom of the Ferrari lineup. That's what the California was for.
0: You know, I also like the 296 GTB. Yeah, it's That's pretty cool. Sort of entry level. And it it's is just pretty. And for the first time ever, I went to Ferrari's website, mm. and I think for the in in their history, I don't know. I cannot verify this. This is empirical evidence. It said, fun to drive. No. And I thought, it's always been assumed. You would hope. But that's not necessarily Mm, the case. mm. We've driven the 488. We've driven some others. Yeah, yeah. There's other cars that give a more raw feeling because Ferrari neuters things because they don't want the Ferraris to be crashed. So there's too yeah. many systems yeah. working overtime. And
1: well, and now they're about to release an SUV, well, so they yes. better remind people that fun to drive matters. But it
0: says fun to drive. Mm. And I thought, is mm. that a first for Ferrari? Mm. Are they admitting that they actually want to build a car that's fun to drive? Mm. That's huge! That was great fr- step. Prior Ferrari. to that, it was
1: like we would like you to write us a big check. Right. And w- later, we'll make race cars.
0: Exactly. Yeah. They, uh, no, I think they just make swag. All they make is merchandise with a well, Ferrari prancing horse on it, and that's all they make. No, but see, this is and then this cars is the are like
1: in the back, kind of sort of. No, the swag is for everybody that the the company doesn't want to have actually buy their cars. You can buy right. the swag. You for you <laughs> a teddy bear or keychain. For this guy over exactly. here, that's bought Ferraris and his father bought ferraris and his grandfather bought ferraris he can buy the new hypercar. Uh-huh. but you we haven't heard of you <laughs> so let's start with that's teddy bears and keychains and later maybe a california that's what the theme park is for uh-huh they yes. harvest your email yes so
0: now they've heard of you
1: have you been to the theme park well you better start there
0: what's your merchandise total this shopping round uh, how much have you bought Guys, thank you for all your questions. We really appreciate it. Write to us, everydaydrivertv at com, And we post on Mondays and Thursdays on social media for questions to release Tuesdays and Fridays. And once again, if you have not seen our East Coast trip, it is 61 minutes long. Mm-hmm. Todd colored nearly 1,100 shots. It was long, yeah. A lot of uh, chance worked his butt off. And it's a spectacular piece. It's just fun. And yes, we had some great memories. I mean, I'm, I'm really proud of what I've enjoyed we've enjoyed watching
1: it to relive the trip. If you guys yeah. have half as much fun as we did actually shooting it, you're going to have a good time. Looking forward to next time.
0: As always, cheers everyone.